So, um, how many know who the country singer Randy Travis is? So many, many years ago, me and uh, my pastor friend Jason King, he's the pastor now at Faith Bible Chapel, we were on staff there together, <clears throat> and we won what we called Faith Bible Idol. I played guitar and he sang, and we changed the words to Sweet Home Alabama to Sweet Home Arvada, and... Um, <laughs> It was such a hit that they asked us to open for Randy Travis, and it was packed. There was 2,500 people in there, and I'm playing my guitar with a cowboy hat on, and I'm the farthest thing from a cowboy on the planet. On the planet. But we were the opening act for Randy Travis. Now, there's been some big opening acts for bands over the year. Usually, it's somebody up and coming. They're getting their, their shot, whatever, but it's a privilege to be an opening act. You know, the bigger the artist, the the more of a privilege it is. Well, today, we're going to talk about the greatest opening act in the history of mankind. We're going to talk about John the Baptist. He was the opening act for Jesus and his ministry. He set the table, and he set the table for what Jesus was going to do. John was the bridge between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the New Testament. He bridged it together. And the prophet Malachi in, is one of the minor prophets in the last book in, uh, in the Old Testament. If you're Italian, you might call, it Mal- call him Malachi, but it's Malachi. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> I keep saying it if somebody cracks up a little bit, but I have to persuade you sometimes. But it was written 450 years before Jesus came on the scene, before John came on the scene. And the Lord is prophesying through Malachi about John. In Malachi 3.1, it says, Behold, I am sending my messenger. He will clear a way before me. And the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. He's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist being this voice crying in the wilderness, as we'll see. Who was John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, right? He had a miraculous birth as well. And In Luke chapter 1, you see that the angel Gabriel, who came to Mary to announce that she was going to give birth to Jesus, he had previously had come to Zechariah, who was John's father, and announced the news that they were going to conceive, he and Elizabeth, and she was unable to conceive. They were really old. They were senior citizens. When they got the word that they were going to conceive John, crazy. John, he was remarkable in his lifestyle, the way he lived his life. We're told in Scripture that he ate locust and honey, yummy, that he wore clothes made of, of camel's hair. I think he's the would be a favorite on Survivor right away. Man, the guy knows how to eat gross things and, and make clothes out of anything. It made me think of camel's hair seems a little itchy. And there, there used to be this, in our old neighborhood, there was this guy every summer, he would, he would mow his lawn without his shirt on. And he was the hairiest dude ever created, man. And I, I used to look at him, I would just itch myself. And I'd think, he needs to be mowing his back, man, because... It looked like he was wearing a scrimmage jersey, you know, we used to wear and pick up basketball. And he was like, that's what camel's hair probably feels like. Sorry, TMI, right? Um, 
he was impressive and remarkable in Jesus' assessment of him. He was uh, remarkable in his preaching. He preached with clarity. He preached with integrity, urgency, passion, everything that needs to be done today. We need to be passionate about what the message of the Lord is. He was an amazing man. I think we need to listen to him. So today, we're continuing in this series that we started last week in the Gospel of Luke. If you're new to the Bible, you're new to church, Luke was a physician that traveled with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. And he went back and he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote, wrote down what all happened in the book of Acts. And he was not a Jew. He was, a, he was Greek. He was a physician. But he, he, he loved God, and he was, wanted to write down the story for the whole world of the gospel of Jesus. So he's one of the four gospels. And we're going to continue, you know, in this series, Kingdom Come. Because when Jesus came, he, you know, you have creation, you have Israel, <clears throat> all pointing towards Jesus, the fulfillment of the kingdom. Where, the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. It's wherever he's king, wherever we honor him as king. So many of you probably have made a New Year's resolution, right? And many people in the New Year make a resolution to to lose weight and to get in shape. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you, but I bet it's many of us. And nutritionists, uh, trainers will tell you that if that's going to happen, you have to change the way you think about food. You have to change the way you think about, you know, exercise. You've got to change your mind. You have to change your mind about it. Food is no longer just fun and comfort. It becomes fuel, etc. And when you change your mind about exercise, you do it even when you don't feel like doing it, right? That becomes a habit. Well, I say that to say this. John the Baptist's ministry was about getting the people to change their mind. That's what he wants to do. That's what he was doing. He was wanting the Israelites in his baptism of repentance to change the way they think about God, themselves, one another, love, purpose, etc. He actually says in Matthew 4, 2, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean to repent? If you grew up in church, that can sound like a churchy word or a, you got to repent, you know, and, and that has this connotation of it that is negative somehow. But repentance is actually a beautiful word in the Greek. To, to repent means to change your mind and change your thinking and align it with God's mind and his will. To repent means to change your mind and change your thinking and align it with God's mind and his will. You can't go wrong when you're thinking the way God wants you to think and you're walking in his will. That's, that's the kind of life he wants us to have. Jesus announced the kingdom in his first words, he says in, in Mark, he said, repent and believe the good news. Change your mind about God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the face of God. He is what God is like. This whole other picture that, that, that was unclear in the Old Testament about what God was like, Jesus came to show the world what God was truly like. So if John is in this passage that we're going to look at this morning in Luke 3, what do I need to change my mind about? 
That's the, what, is, what are we being called to change our thinking? I would say, as we're going to read this, the first thing is I need to change my mind about who really is in charge. I need to change my thinking about who really has the power, who really is in power. And I think this is so important right now that we think about it. We've been praying about it. Brad prayed about it. Christy prayed about it. Brian prayed about it. All of us praying in this world of disunity. The evil one is working overtime to disunify in the most basic friendships, marriages, a nation, states, all of it. It's just disunity. That's his, he is behind the disunity. And we need, we need to understand, Jesus said this. He said, my kingdom is not of this world, right? When he was before Pontius Pilate. We try to make Jesus' kingdom this world, and it's not. He, one day, he's going to return, and he's going to set every wrong right. He's going to set it all straight. And until then, it's us, the church, being hope and salt and light for the world around us. Why do I get this idea that we need to change our minds about who's really in charge? Well, it's because of what Luke wrote in, in, in chapter 3. He says, it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis. These are some tough words. Lysanias, goes by Linus, was ruler over Abilene. And I don't know if that's Abilene, Kansas, or Abilene, Texas, but he was ruler over Abilene. And it says, Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message came from God to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River. Those of us that have been to Israel, are these coming back to your mind, right? We, we, have we told you we went to Israel? Anyway, I had to get one in. Uh, he was preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. It's interesting to me that Luke starts out talking about who were the political powers at that time. Interesting, right? Then he also wanted us to know who the religious powers were. People stood in awe of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they called the shots. They were connected in many ways with the political powers too. They became very rich. John then steps into the scene in this quote about him from Isaiah. He wants to let the crowd know who really is in power and who's in charge. And it's Jesus. It's the Lord. We can't forget this. We can't forget this because you're not going to find God's power in politics. You're not going to find God's power in religion. And you might say, well, isn't Christianity a religion? Yes, 
but it's not about religiousness, religious duty, do's and don'ts and this and that and rituals. It's about a relationship. Christianity is having a relationship with God the Father through his Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's about having a relationship and purpose and knowing that you're loved, knowing that he cares about you, knowing that, that he has uh, promises for you. It's important that we don't mix those two together. We find God's power in repentance. We find God's power when we align our lives around Jesus. God's power is found in changing our mind and, and, and realizing that God is for everybody. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. There'd be power in that. In this world where it's polarized, somebody's got to step in the middle and say, no, we got a better way. There's a better way than we're going. And that way is the way of hope and purpose in Jesus. Second thing I need to change my mind about is, is how I see and treat my neighbor. Man, is that not the most basic of things, right? How do you love your neighbor? Jesus talked about loving God and loving your neighbor. Um, John says in, in Luke 3.8, he says, prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and you've turned to God. Prove it by showing forth fruits of repentance, as some translations say. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience with one another. He goes, he continues, Luke continues and he says, the crowds asked, well, what should we do? If, if I'm supposed to um, show forth fruits of repentance, what do, what do we do? That's, what the, that's a great, great question. And he goes on and he says, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. What he's saying there is change your mind about your stuff. Change your mind about your possessions, your money, your time, your talent, your treasure. Learn to be generous like God is generous. It's so important. That, that, you can't out-generous God. God is the most generous being ever. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his son. We can't out-generous God, and we have to change our thinking about our stuff and possessions and money that it's on loan from God that we're stewards of his stuff. We talk about this a lot. That if you see your stuff not as mine, but this is God's, and he's put me in charge of, of my money and my possessions, and he wants us to be generous and help take care of other people and be generous with it. The, the, the way to become more generous in our lives is to move from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. Scarcity is, well, if I give something away, or if I share it, what's left over for me? Versus an abundance mentality is, it's all God's anyway, and what I give away generously, God can, can replenish any, any way he wants to. And we've been told by Jesus that we'll be rewarded in the life to come by our generosity in this life. And learning to be a generous person with not just our money, but our, ourselves, our time, our talents, and our treasure. It goes on to say, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? Now, it's important that we know what tax collectors, what, who were they? Tax collectors were Jews 
who collected taxes for the Roman Empire. They were under the tyranny of the Roman Empire, and the Romans would hire them to go collect their taxes. And they told them, we want you to collect this amount, and then whatever you get beyond that is yours. So they were hated by their fellow Jews because they were, they were, they were on behalf of their enemy, they were taking more money. And so they said, what should we do? Well, John says, collect no more taxes than the government requires. Pretty basic, right? And then, what should we do, asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't exhort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. He's talking about Roman soldiers here. What should we do? Why were they there at the baptism? Why were they there at this baptism of repentance at the Jordan River? John is setting the stage for the ministry of Jesus. And we know Jesus talked about love for God and and love for your neighbor, the basics of neighboring. All of these boil down to being a good neighbor when, when these people ask, what should we do? What is the fruit of repentance here? What's the fruit of me changing my mind? Show love to God by loving your neighbor. I mean, Jesus gave us the cliff notes of all of the 633 laws and commands of the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Scriptures, when he said they all boil down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And yes, worship and prayer and praise is, is an outlet to, to show love for God, but I think the biggest outlet to show love for God is by loving your neighbor, loving the unlovable. I mean, got people in their life that are pretty hard to love, pretty prickly. I noticed you didn't raise, well, you did, you raised your hand. <laughs> Hopefully it's not your spouse. Um, come to the marriage seminar. Uh, but it's, it's true, when we love the unlovable and we're patient and all of that, we're loving God. Because you know what? God loves us when we're impatient. God loves us in the middle of our unlovable phases. Martin Luther, the reformer, he said, God doesn't need our good works, but, but our neighbors do. So let's keep that in mind. And then last, the, the third point here is changing my mind. I need to change my mind on how I see my responsibility in the Great Commission. I need to, and I believe all of us do. I've been talking to many of you who have come and told me, and said, man, I feel like God's really put it on my heart this year to share the hope of Jesus with, with, with more people, with my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, you know, learning how to, to give a word to someone who's hurting. If you just, we look around, people are depressed. People are, are you know, so much fighting and they're just worn out. People need good news. And you know what? The gospel is the best news ever. It is the best news ever. God so loved the world. God came into this world to become one of us and to come into our fallen brokenness. Jesus went right into the brokenness. and He came into this world. The word was made flesh to reveal God, but he was on a mission to seek and save that which was lost. And he came on his mission to, to deal with, death, a death blow. When he submitted himself to death and rose again, he defeated death. Death for, for those who, who are in, in Christ 
following Jesus, it's just a doorway right into eternity now. We don't have to fear death. He nailed sin to the cross. He defeated the works of the devil. Man, that's the good news. And and, and when they, back in the Bible days, an evangelist was somebody that just went and told the good news about a war was won. And they would go from town to town and say, hey, we won the war, we're free, whatever. Well, we have the best news ever in Jesus. We need to take personal responsibility for sharing with other people. People need to hear it. It says, uh, continues, Luke writes, he says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Listen, John knew his calling. He knew who he was. He knew his role was to point people to Jesus, the Messiah. A couple things about this. John's ministry prepared the way for Jesus' ministry. He, he, he prepared the way. John's ministry replaced, was replaced by Jesus' ministry. John had this unique calling, and then he... he passed it on to Jesus. Jesus did his ministry. Here's what you need to get. Jesus's ministry has been passed on to us now. He passed on the ministry to the church. Jesus said that his, his second coming was going to be preceded by the preaching of the gospel to all people, all languages, every tribe, tongue, and nation, and then the end will come. And so as John preceded Jesus's first coming, get this, we precede Jesus' second coming and by what we're doing. Every time you, you, you share the gospel with somebody, every time you invite uh, someone to, to a gathering or church or whatever, every time you're being a good neighbor, we're preceding Jesus' second coming. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not an evangelist, I don't know how to do this. Maybe you don't, but does the Holy Spirit? says, Jesus told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you were talking to us, he'd say, I want you, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses in Denver, the Rocky Mountain region, and to the ends of the earth, right? That's what we've been called to do. I would ask you and challenge you to pray for a sense of urgency and a new passion to share Jesus with people, a new passion. And and you know what? You don't have to know the Bible back and forth to just share what Jesus has done for you or to share the hope. I remember when I first became a Christian, Pastor George, my my pastor, I said, uh, you know, I don't know much about the Bible, and people ask me, this is me talking, and I don't know how to answer some people's difficult questions. He goes, ah, that doesn't matter. He said, just tell them what Jesus did for you. And I thought, well, I can do that. You know, I just, Jesus is my hope. He's, he's my life. Pray for that sense of passion. I, I feel like God is turning that burner up in us, and it's time. 
it's time for us to share the good news. It's not bad news. It's really, really, really good news. And that's good to share. Jesus told his disciples in the end of Matthew, he says, uh, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's right there with us, pointing people to Jesus. Now, during this COVID time, they've coined this phrase, like a, a gathering was a super spreader of, uh, of COVID, right? This is cheesy. Bear with me. Let's be a super spreader of hope. Let's be a super spreader of the gospel. Like when people, let's spread the hope that, that's there. People need it. Instead of fighting with people, let's pray for people. Let's love our neighbors. Um, Ronnie, will you come up here? I, uh, this is Ronnie Opeka. If you don't know her, will you give it up for her? I was talking with her husband, uh, Ryan, the other day, and um, I don't even remember how this story came up, but when Ryan told me the story about uh, how they were able to influence um, a friend of hers, it, uh, he was moved to tears as he told me, and I was like, wow, like, this, is, this was serious, you know? And um, I just called them and I said, would you, it would be perfect to share this in this point that I'm, I'm making, so take it away. Thanks, Scott. Um, so about four years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, join a company called Arbon. It's an MLM business. Um, one of my friends told me about it. And the woman who was above my friend, we'll call her Jenny, um, I had several meetings with her in the beginning um, at a coffee shop. Just She was helping coach me and guide me on... <clears throat> how to get my business up and running and going. And, and we just had a lot of personal conversations, getting to know each other through that. And at some point in time, the subject of church and religion came up. And um, I asked her, you know, do you, do you have a church that you go to? And um, she said, yeah, she, she goes to um, some type of interfaith church in Denver. Um, and she was like, oh, what about you? And I told her about the church that Ryan and I were going to at the time, and, and that really was the extent of it. I didn't think much of it. Um, so it was, I don't many months later, she just texted me one day out of the blue and uh, was like, hey, are you still going to that church? And I was like, yeah, we are. And um, she's like, well, can I come with you? I mean, you guys, I didn't even have to invite her. Like, this is how... God works. I just put it out there, um, and she asked if she could come with me, and I was like, absolutely, of course. Um, so a little bit of backstory, backing up a little bit. Um, I don't know, for those of you who have participated in an MLM business, I'm sure there are some of, the, some of you out there, it often takes money to uh, invest in your business to get it up and running and going, and so um, I had invested several thousand dollars into this business to get it going, and um, it, it just didn't work out. 
I, I put my all into it. I worked really hard. Ryan was 100% behind me and cheering me on and uh, giving me the okay to invest all this money and getting my business running. Well, the business didn't work out, and I, I walked away from it. Um, so that left frustration for me and especially my husband um, about just the financial piece. Like, we had thrown thousands of dollars into this business, and it went nowhere. So that was extremely frustrating to us. Um, so Jenny ends up joining me to go to a church service, and um, the next Sunday, she came again. And the next Sunday, she came again. And uh, after, I think, a few Sundays, she accepted Jesus as her Savior. Um, the church that she had... <laughs> yeah. Um, the church she had been going to, she said, they talked about God all the time, but they never mentioned Jesus. Um, so this was the first time she had heard about Jesus. Um, and she accepted it with open arms. Um, and then about a month later, they had baptism. And I got to watch her get baptized, you guys. And I got to hug her as she came up out of the water. It was the most beautiful thing. Um, and later down the road, it hit Ryan and I all of a sudden realizing um, those thousands of dollars that we invested in my Arbonne business was worth it because I would not have met her otherwise. Hmm. Um, if a few thousand dollars is what it took for the salvation of this woman, it was money well spent. Thank you, Ronnie. <clears throat> it's little things. Like, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower in a few weeks. And it, it's this, that's, I love that parable because you don't know when you're planting a seed. And somebody's already done some work, too, you know. And, and if God lets you be part of seeing someone put their trust in Jesus and their hope, then that's awesome. But you just never know. When, when I was in ninth grade, my brother, we didn't, we, we were CEO Christians, Christmas, Easter only, and barely, barely ever thought about God. And like, like your friend, I hadn't really heard about Jesus. We talked about God, but we didn't talk about Jesus. And this guy stopped my brother at the, on the University of Georgia campus. He stopped him and he said, hey, would you like to watch a video about NFL football players? and their faith. And my brother was a big football star, and he was like, sure. And he came home, and he, sh he shared with me what that man had shared with him about Jesus and the gospel. And the seed was planted in my heart that didn't pop fruit until I was 25 years old. But I know it was that seed. And that man's faithfulness to say, hey, do you wanna watch this video? I've never met the dude, you know? But he's, whatever my brother's done, my parents did, because it caused a ripple effect in my family to where my brother came to the Lord, then my parents, my sister, my other brother, cousins, and then whatever we've all been able to do to spread the kingdom came from that guy, that one seed. Does that make sense? Like that one little seed. And when I wrote my little book, I dedicated part of the you know, dedication was to the unknown pastor or the guy in Athens, Georgia, who had the courage. So, I mean, let's don't be shy. Let's don't be shy about this good news.
Would you stand with me? I want to pray. I want to pray that God would give us a passion. Because here's the deal. You're not going to share something that you don't think is really good news. You'll sh- we'll put it on Facebook, proud of our kids, proud of this, look what I ate, this and that. And, and we'll share all these things. But when it comes to Jesus, we get sheepish, like, uh, you know, what if I say it wrong? You're not. The more you understand how loved you are, the more you understand how defeated death is, how defeated the devil is, how defeated sin is, the more you comprehend that and bathe yourself in the love of the Father, it'll just ooze off of you. It'll be a fragrance, like the scripture says, the aroma of Christ. And I get it. Um, We're not always perfect examples of, of Jesus. I know I'm not. I woke up just in a bad mood. You ever do that? You just wake up, But man, getting here and being able to worship, it's all kind of come back in, in, you know, and that's why we need to be together. That's why we don't forsake fellowshipping together because we get the the heat turned up, so to speak. So if today you're watching online or maybe in this room and you've never put your faith and hope in Jesus, today's the day. You don't need to join a church. You don't need to fill out a card. You don't need to do anything, but just in your heart and mind, say, Jesus, I I come into agreement with you that you are the Lord of all, that you are my creator, and that you are my savior. You died for me to give me life. And you just begin to follow him. Do what he says to do. Read, read, get in the word, hang out with other believers and and watch what he'll he'll begin (laughs) to do in your life. Father, I pray for us. Jesus, you lived a passionate life. Your passion was for your people. May we have a new passion in this new year for what is most important to you, Jesus. Give us a new passion. Give us a sense of urgency. Give us an attitude that doesn't think somebody else will do it. Give us a sense of personal responsibility in this. Lord, I pray for those in this room and online that are hurting right now because of life. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to comfort. I pray for healing. Lord, we continue to lift Pastor Russ up to you. Gordon Weathers, we ask for your healing that you would raise him up. God, all who are sick, burdened. God, would you reignite marriages? Lord, no room for the enemy, the evil one, to to disunify. Let us be very aware of his lies. Let us be quick to recognize that. Jesus, thank you for life, abundant life, eternal life, real life. Thank you for answering the big questions of life. Why are we here? What's gone wrong with this world? What happens when we die? 
Thank you for answering those questions, Lord. Thank you that all the promises of God are yes and amen in you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, corporately and individually, we repent. We change our minds today. And we want to align our minds and wills with yours. Help us to live out what is most important to you. We trust you. Thank you that you are gentle and humble. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Amen.